1: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.
2: Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
3: Hello everybody and welcome to the show made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Well today we're joined by a one time wonder boy of the racing world and one of Australia's most successful and durable jockeys. Darren Gouchy rode more than two and a half thousand winners, including 35 group ones and claimed four Melbourne premierships in a career revered as much for its longevity as its successes. Three Melbourne Cup seconds might prompt a sense of what if, but the Gouch, as he became known, sat alongside names like Superimpose, Lonro, Hayes and Hawks. These days, he's nurturing the next generation of names as an apprentice jockey mentor for Racing Victoria. Darren, welcome. Really appreciate your time. Good morning, Sam. Thank you. Well, from your early teens until that famous final day at court, field at the age of 51. You've been retired for, what is it now, five years? I reckon you'd need all of those years to come to terms with a lifetime in the saddle. How do you look back on it all? Can you look back on it all in totality, or does it come to you in chapters and fragments? It's such a vast experience at the top, Darren.
0: Yes, it was. Um, I, I, I miss riding, naturally. I think all jockeys do once they retire. Uh, you miss more so competing more than anything else um, on the field and all the competition. Um, look back on it. yeah. I, I, I was very fortunate. I had a, I had a wonderful career and you know, thanks to a lot of people around me that, that helped me on the way and on my journey. Um, yeah, Like I said, I, I, was, I was very
3: fortunate. So clearly you don't do something anywhere near that long unless there's pure enjoyment. From you to the industry and from the industry to you. Now, I don't want to embarrass you here, Darren, but Brian Martin once called you the most universally loved racing person he'd ever seen.
0: <laughs> well, that's a big rat, and I'm honest. <laughs>
3: So is the cup full in retirement,
0: Darren? Um, yeah, well, look, I've been retired now five years. Um, like I said, I, I still miss race riding, of course, but um, I've got a new role in my life. Um, I, look, I wish i had have won a Melbourne Cup. I, I, that's every jockey's dream. It didn't happen. I've won second three times, and even running second was a great thrill, but I would have, you know, would have, Love to have won the Melbourne Cup
3: You were a fitness fanatic throughout your career how did you approach the change from a lifetime of discipline and structure to not having that in your life or, or have you continued it in some way shape or form? What about the physical side of it? I still keep
0: myself in um, I train most mornings I, I'm not not for very long uh, I'm not going to knock myself about too much fan but uh, <laughs> I do try to keep myself fairly fit I think you know once you've been active all your life it, it, it's very difficult to stop you've got to, you, you've got to be doing something
3: and take us through your connection to racing now Darren and, and your role and what it entails via Racing Victoria yeah I'm,
0: I'm involved uh, part of the apprentice training program that are mentoring apprentices. Um, uh, we, we have you know, like a, a team of us do this, and uh, we work together. and um, it's, it's all about help, and apprentices start from scratch on their journey to becoming um, elite athletes and base riders. So it, it's uh, it's a very enjoyable job. Um, it, it's a, you know it, it's a great thing when you see someone who's worked a, a young person that's worked really hard to get to where they want to get, and, and when they have their first race ride, the smile on their face or their first winner,
1: hmm.
0: um, it's very it's, it's very enjoyable.
3: Do you see any of yourself in these kids, or is it just so different now, you know, the services available to the up-and-comers?
0: Well, the services are certainly different to when I started. Uh, apprentice school was probably one hour every two weeks. Now it's changed with it's a full day's training, and, and they're expected to come into RBL Racing Victoria, and there's all different people that help and have input into this training program. And uh, like I said, we're a team <clears throat> and you know, we have like physios, dietitians um, or a number, of, a number of people have come in about finance, VIS, um, Victoria Institute of Sports. Uh, we have them on a mechanical horse, we do race analysis with them, uh, all those sort of things. So we, we cover as much as we can with them uh, to ensure that they have every opportunity to, to reach their goals. and. Um, And and the results have been good. The apprentices are doing really well. They're they're holding their own. And and like I said, it's, um, it's, it's a job which I enjoy doing because I've done it basically all my life riding horses for 36 years I race road, and uh, and it's been, it's been a good transition.
3: So growing up in Glenroy, though, Darren, am I right in saying horses weren't your first love, though, were they, in the sporting sense, anyway? No,
0: they weren't, Sam. Um, I, I, did, I grew up in Glenroy, and I was more into playing the sports, like most, most uh, kids, but, uh, like 11, 12 years old. I was, I, used to, I was riding in soccer. I used to love playing soccer. I used to play for Broadmeadows City for three years. Mm-hmm. Used to go okay at the soccer, but that period I just didn't grow. (laughs) All my teammates um, are a lot bigger than me, and I used to run around the pitch about 28 kilograms. And my older brother Michael, he was an apprentice jockey at Caulfield to a trainer called Don Shannon. And during the off season and during uh, school holidays, my brother said to me, Why don't I come down and um, see what it's like? In the stable, so I did one, one weekend. Not been around horses that often, uh, or had experience being around horses at all, really. I um, It took me a little bit to get used to being around horses, but once I did and once I started to learn to ride on a pony, a stable pony there, yeah. uh, I thought, this is it, this is why oh, I was hooked. Um, and then from that day onward, I knew what I wanted to be, I wanted to be a jockey.
3: Wow. So yeah, stable pony first, and then track work. I think by fourteen. But so you get the train down to Caulfield from Glenroy. That, that's a decent trip for a young fella. How often were you doing that? I was doing that
0: every week. Um, I was, I'll put it this way: as soon as the school bell finished, I, I think I was the first student to get to the, to their locker, and I would probably get to the train station in record time to get, <laughs> to, get to Caulfield. Uh, like I said, I was you know I was, I was pretty determined, and what I wanted to do. And I couldn't wait to get to the stable and be around horses once I got in, you know, sort of involved a bit and got to know them. And like I said, once I started, started to learn how to ride or ride the pony and things like that, that's when I really got hooked.
3: See, it's amazing, isn't it, to think that from a sliding doors moment with Mick that it would be love at first sight, It like it was almost meant to be.
0: Well, it is. It, it, I, I often think back on it, and my brother always uh, mentions it to me every <laughs> now and then, Mick. And, uh, you know, our journey on the way is it was a very successful rider as well my brother um and he certainly helped me on the way and like i said earlier on i touched on riding a pony there was also a table jockey uh jeff Bamford, was there at the time and he had a big input in, into uh, me starting off and more starting to learn the basics about riding cause it was his pony that i learned on and i was very grateful for that because i uh, hadn't it been for them i probably wouldn't be where I am now.
3: You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers, a family-owned business since 1934. And Darren Gouchy's is the most successful apprenticeship Australia has known. We'll recount some more of the early years after this.
2: You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
3: Hello, it's great to have your company on This Is Your Journey, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're chatting to legendary former jockey Darren Gauci. So Darren, Don Shannon retired not long after you'd caught the bug, but this led to a union with Frank King, who you'd be apprenticed to, of course. How integral was Frank in shaping the early stages of your career?
0: He was um, very much... It played a big part in my career when I started. Of course, Um, Frank King had ever good apprentices, and he was like the uh, the uh, trainer to go to to be apprentice at the time. And yes, Don Shannon did retire, and he went overseas. So I was I was lucky enough at the time that we only worked I worked basically across the road from Frank King's stable and I was aware that his, um, a very successful apprentice, Dale Short, was just finishing up his apprenticeship so there was a vacant spot there and I did approach uh, Frank King and, and he, um, well, he did take me on. I started with Frank King when I was 15, I was still going to school, um, I, went, I, was, uh, I was able to the stables up in the morning, did the stable chores, ride a little bit of track work, and then I was uh, going to school just up the road. So it was at Fourfield High, so it, was, it worked out pretty well, even though I think I spent most of my time sleeping at school because I was a bit tired <laughs> being up at 3.30 every morning, but uh, they understood what I wanted to do. So I was, I was pretty fortunate that way. And when I, when I did leave school, I was old enough to leave school, I, I started my apprenticeship with Frank King, and I was uh, within six months I was able to uh, start a race riding.
3: Did, did Did Frank fit into the firm... But fair basket, would you say? I'm oh, very much so. He, he was he was very firm. He was
0: but he, very very fair, and and he looked after his apprentices. And she, I, I remembered like one thing he, he did do was he, he made sure that we all had our rest. And what was the beauty about being an apprentice to Frank King? Also, we didn't have a big team of horses in the stable. We only had probably I think the maximum amount of horses we did have was probably seven. So this enabled us say to get up early. I could probably do say get up. And Three thirty, be at the stables by say four o'clock, and clean out the stables, uh, and be on the be riding track work at five o'clock in the morning for all the trainers so I was lucky enough to build up relationships with other trainers before I even started race riding you know we'd go say ride work until seven o'clock for the trainers and go back and start our horses so, and, and uh, it, it was all the way it was structured uh, the way Frank structured it was was, uh, was really good and we were able to because it wasn't a big stable
3: now you obviously loved it as a young fella and it loved you because the success was almost immediate wasn't it I mean 12 premierships in, in your apprenticeship uh, five 506 winners I've got written down here, and early on uh, you kicked home a winner at, at 21 consecutive city meetings. So, uh, fair to say it clicked relatively early, Darren. It did,
0: yes. Look, I, I remember when I had my first ride was at fellow rat and a little bit of expectation and... Um, I remember that day there was a lot of people there and come out to see me because Friends and relatives and it was really great and had some fantastic support on the day Uh, But unfortunately the horse I rode then ran second last I think it ran uh, Yeah, it wasn't even in the TV screen So it was a bit of a disappointment and on that day I picked up another ride and I thought well maybe I can redeem myself here had my chance and that sure enough It ran second last too. So my first two rides I didn't start off all that great. Uh, I, I sort of, nothing sort of happened for a little bit and I was at the stab with work and uh, doing one afternoon and Frank King come and saw me and said, oh, I've got your you know, you're, you're going to ro- ride on Saturday at Bansdale. And I said, OK, that's great, boss. And uh, it so sort of happened that um, I ended up getting a lift up with another jockey who was riding at the meeting and I didn't expect Mum and Dad to go all the way to Bansdale. So I remember when I left home, I said to Mum and Dad, oh, look, I, I reckon I can win today. So <laughs> they, they looked at me and they said, oh, they said, oh, that's great. You know, when someone looks at you and they heart, heart have got that smirk on their face saying, yeah, yeah, but you know they don't believe you. That's what it was like. <laughs> and I said to them, well, I'll definitely run a place. What happened was I got up there, got to Barnesdale, the horse won, uh, but no one really knew because it was a non-TOB meeting, so they wouldn't have been able to hear the race or get the results straight away. And uh, it was only a three-horse race, and the horse was 10 to 1 on. So uh, that was my first winner. I was at um, Barnesdale in uh, 1982 on a horse called Turbo.
3: What led you to appear, Darren, on Young Talent Time? Now, you actually sat on a horse in the Channel 10 studios, didn't you?
0: Yes, I did. I <laughs> that was another story with my boss, um, <laughs> Frank King. He, he saw me, and I, I sort of my career started to kick off a little bit at that point. And, um, and that afternoon at the stable, my boss said to me, You go on Dung Talon Time. And I said, No, boss, I don't want to go on Dung talent Time. So I thought, Well, we're going to cop a lot of camaraderies from all the other riders <laughs> uh, about going on there. And I was a bit worried. <laughs> Look, I went on, and it's where I met my, my wife, Aaron.
3: Yeah. So, but, but what actually led to you going on there, though, Darren? How did it come about? Well,
0: I think it was just at the time I was riding, sort of like you mentioned, touched on before, it sort of happened pretty quick. Because of the opportunities that, that I was getting, I was able to ride quite a few winners. I think it was going through, through that stage where I was getting a lot of publicity about the sort of, Publicity about um, the amount of winners i wrote ongoing, say so, which you touched on before, twenty-one consecutive meetings. that mm. sort of mm, that's, that's what basically led to that, and I think it was put more of a segment on Young Talent Time where they had a segment where sportsmen uh, in Australia that that are that are doing well or. Um, what they've achieved, and that segment come up on horse racing,
3: and myself, and and of course, Karen was a star of the show, wasn't she? Karen Dunkerton, as she was at the time, she was she was a young star on that show. Yeah,
0: she certainly was um, amongst other ones because you know they were they were regulars. There's about five five in the team, if I remember rightly, and they were regulars on, on Saturday. And um, not that I watched Young Channel too much <laughs> then, but I got to find out later on. But, uh, yeah, she, she was certainly. Um, A regular performer, and she was one of the stars, yes.
3: Can we talk about your first Group 1 winner? You're 18 years of age, it's for Bart Cummings, 1983, uh, I think only, what, 18 months or so after you started riding? How vivid in, in the memory is it? Um,
0: I still remember quite well <laughs> my first Group 1 because it was um, on the main stage at, at Flemington. It was actually my first real Flemington carnival, Melbourne Cup carnival. And um, I remember that carnival, I... I, I, I got off to a flyer on the first day on saturday barbie day whereas i had a good book of rides i actually rode three winners and things were going really well and i had my first opportunity to win a group one race was on a horse called Target clips in the vrca and i remember I, I, was, I was quite nervous because well, i'm under i think i was one of second favorite behind a horse called mapley heights a mare called mapley heights was a very good horse. I, I felt, well, geez, I, I hope I don't bugger this up. And I remember walking out to the Mount Yard. I was riding for Bart Cummings. And after talking to Bart for a few minutes, I was, he, he must have sensed that I was a bit nervous. And he's amazing. He's amazing, Bart. Like, uh, after talking to him for a couple of minutes, all the nerves are gone. And I was confident I was just going to win. And it did happen. And I was 17 years old. And like I said, it, it happened really quick. But these things don't happen unless you have the right opportunity. And Opportunities and, and people behind you network, and uh, I said I was very really fortunate.
3: So, by 21, because there was the Derby Day treble in there as well, so by 21, you'd won the Victorian Jockeys Premiership three times. I think you had a luxury car, you had the glamour girlfriend, you're at the top of every owner and trader's wish list here, Gouch. Life must have been amazing. Life
0: is pretty pretty good. And like I said, it changed pretty quick. But this is where I had right up until I was 21. And this is where Frank King was such a good master. Um, even though I was having all that success, my workload didn't change that much. I worked hard and I still did all the things or had to do all the things I did from day one. that I started in the stable, all the stable work as well. And to be honest, I was more high than anything else most of the time, and that's why I used to live with my boss, at, 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 with Frank King and Gene King, which, like I said, they, uh, they made sure I got my rest. And like I was there, I was always in bed by about 8, 8.30. So I didn't have much of a social life at all. Um, I was more focused on just race riding and work, and that's what Frank, you know, this way, the more winners I rode, probably the harder he worked. So it, it sort of kept me on a level peg and kept me focused the whole
3: time. You're with This Is Your Journey. It's brought to you by Tobin Brothers at Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can find them at tobinbrothers.com.au. We'll be back with the great Darren Gouchy right after
2: this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals visit tobinbrothers.com.au Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Hello, we hope you're
3: enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest is racing icon Darren Gauchi. So, Darren, superimpose five wins the 1990 Epsom Handicap, second in the 89 Melbourne Cup. There's Long Road, two from two, Caulfield Guineas, one of them, Octagonal, El Segundo, Shaftesbury Avenue. The champions you rode, can you split them? Have you got an order of preference? Well, the best horse I've ever had, I've always said, was superimpose. Shasbury Avenue waiting for a run as they come
1: over the rise and further back go Bush our poverty bay is coming out of the pack and superimposed down the outside many chances at the 200 Liverstone Elaine don't play Comrade our poverty bay is joining in and his poor landing and superimposed right down the extreme outside is he going to win another big Randwick mile Superimpose a super horse what a horse superimposed beat our poverty bay in the Epsom
0: um, and look it's uh, the horses you just mentioned, the names and that, they they're just amazing horses. And like I said, I was, I was lucky enough to ride, to ride that to a quality of horse during my career. Uh, but I w- must have to say, I've always said all along that Superimposed is, is probably the best horse I've ever rode.
1: ...length and a half and awake brilliantly here. Kenjate flying from the outside with Coronation Day. Slight chance going up in the centre. Naturalism behind them with Palace Rain. And here's the filly burst down the outside. She's going forward down to the winning post the first time. Muirfield Village out wide. Let's late back in the centre as they steady with 1,700 to go. And Tay led now from burst second. Tay goes up to slight chance at the 900 metre mark a length and a half burst. Coronation Day getting a nice run a half away. Fourth on the rail Then Palace Rain, Muirfield Village. Naturalism is locked away on the inside now as they start to make their run. The mare pulls to the outside. Let's elope Around Citizen, Mannerism went back to the fence. Old superimposed, peeling to the outside with Betelusen up. There's a fall! There's a fall in the Cox plate! And Naturalism's lost the rider! citizen is out of the race and so is palace rain rough habit has been knocked out of it now and as the race to the 500 meter mark now and the leader here is kenja tay here comes let's elope let's Alope with a mighty run out wide going up quickly now kenja tay in the middle from your field village followed by superimpose let's Alope out wide as race to kenja tay slight chance fights back down the outside superimpose let's Alope in the middle prince Salieri getting a run better loosen up and superimpose let's Alope in front Super- and driving, super. I think super nose to let over the Cox plate.
3: So, as an extension, is there is there a favourite win? Is there one that you always come back to? I'm sure you get asked and stopped about this all the time. But is there one that is a standout and a standalone?
0: Um, well, ones that do stand out, I think, was Long Row when I won a Long Row in the Guineas um, here at Caulfield and. I remember that day. I've only been on long roads back once during the week prior to the race, against, uh, the Caulfield Guineas. And it was a, you know, I remember the first time I, they legged me up onto the horse and I was on his back. I thought I just had that wow factor about him. He, he just felt like a powerhouse underneath you. And that's, when you're just standing still, and it's not very often that I will probably first time it ever happened that I was in a race in a Group One race where it was a high quality three-year-old race, and I was back a long way in the field. I was, I was near last. Uh, I only had, probably had about two horses behind me, and I was caught three wide at the 800. I knew I was going to win. That sort of doesn't happen in Group One races. But, you know that, that sort of quality of horses and that sort of caliber of race. And but I knew then I was going to win, and um, I remember that day When when I When I I Started to come To the home turn I thought We'll just come out And I just come out And when I come out And let him down Let the horse go He picked him up Within a few strides And won easily Mm.
1: Um, This
0: just that acceleration on that day was unbelievable.
1: Um. Counts on the improve around him. Further back is Pure Theatre. And then Royal Code, who's never been on the track. And Lonro's pulled to the outside as they corner in the Guineas. Now Ebony Knights hit the lead from Magic Hatter on the inside. Then Magic Albert. Here's Pure Theatre coming down the outside. Viscount can't go on. Lonro's coming with a big run down the outside. They're across the track. Pure Theatre and Lonro. Oki's little boy's taken the lead. Lonro. And pulls up. A- Win the
0: Everything was going against him, he had to cover more ground than any other horse and he picked him up within two or three bounds and I, I was astounded how quick and I only gave him one crack of the whip really and he done a marvellous job, the horse. But that's one win that I was—I um, always remember and I'm very, you know... Uh... It's, it was amazing. It was an amazing win, and the turn of foot that, that horse showed on the day was amazing. Like like I said,
3: the Me- the Melbourne Cups, Darren um, Chagamar eighty four, Superimpose eighty nine, Onager two thousand and five. When obviously all eyes are on the diva, do, do they eat away at you for different reasons? Is there one that perhaps? stayed with you more than the others can you take us through the the race that stops the nation and your and your second places in those three cups
0: yes um uh the time when i ran second on superimposed i thought when i straighted up to home it was one of those races where the horse grew a great barrier and I had the perfect run the race. And everything just sort of fell into place for me on the, on, on the day. And I was sort of running, say, three or four pairs back on the fence at the time. And the horse went to sleep and done everything right. Um, like I said, coming to the home turn, it seemed to open up. And I ended up getting that run right up behind the leader horse called Cut, And I was able just to peel out without any problem, just from behind the, the leader. And this was at about the 300-meter mark. And I thought, well, I'm going to win my first Melbourne Cup. Just don't go too soon. And basically the old saying, I sort of counted the 10. And when I asked the superimposed for an effort, he, he gave me his usual turn of foot. But that, that only lasted for about 50 metres. And I remember getting past quite easily. But that was it. And I saw a horse come down the outside side of my, my vision. And I thought, well, oh, it, the, you know, the horse um, probably, he hasn't run the two-mile out as strong as you would have liked him to, of course, but he's done a fantastic job. And I was proud of the horse to run second, but the horse come down the I was actually terrific, mm. <laughs> which was a stable mate, ridden by Shane Dye. And Shane rode a brilliant race after watching a replay on the day as well. You know? And I, I, I had the choice of riding terrific and superimposed two or three weeks before the Melbourne Cup because I trained both by Lee Friedman and I was Lee's um, uh, rider then at the time. So it was a time when, well, okay, I made the wrong decision. But uh, like I said, I was proud of my horse's uh, effort to run second. Here's
1: Lord Highbrow and Terrific finishing well. 300 to go and Superimpose has hit the front. He's drawn level with Kudz and put his nose in front. Lord Highbrow, Terrific, run on down the outside. Superimpose in front. Kudz fighting back and Terrific coming at them on the outside. Superimpose in front. Kudz on the outside. Terrific wears him down. Terrific has hit the front. Terrific wins the Melbourne Cup by two lengths. Superimpose. That
0: was one that probably got away that might. You know, that could've went the other way. But and also I thought that that the last one I ran second on the Melbourne Cup on his June. Mm. I picked up the ride on on a the Saturday before the Melbourne Cup. Yeah. Now, I only wish that I had a ride the horse beforehand. I had a ride on him in a race. I think I would have made it very interesting, you know, saying I would have won maybe. Uh, because let's face it, uh, Mackie Diva as champion, I think I definitely would have challenged it at some point. Uh, but, you know, being a champion, she might have still fought back and beat me. But I'm, I'm pretty confident if I had had rode that horse for the Melbourne Cup in a race, I, I think I would have, might, might have made a difference.
1: Here's Maccabi Diva, a nation roars for a hero, she's starting to wind up, 300 left to go now, Maccabi Diva's racing up, Envoy's trying to go with her, they've got to Portland Singer and Watland River, here comes like a Falcon and Excellent, but Maccabi Diva clear with 100 metres to go, Excellent runs to second, Olazern runs on, but a champion becomes a legend, Maccabi Dever has won it from either Olozern. Excellent, like a Falconer's close-up. Sp-
3: specifically, though, Darren, how would it have made a difference? What, what if you could turn back time, and, you, and as you say, you'd ridden on a jean many times in the lead-up, what would you have done differently?
0: Well, our plan was on the day to have the horse settle wherever he was, and I did my formula race, and I thought, well, I've got a good chance here to probably follow the whole race. And uh, from my barrier, I was able to do that. But watching the horse and our, our sort of view on the race the connections and the trainer was that you know once this horse you know find your spot and once you're ready to sort of ask the question the horse it's probably best to edge out come out and try to give the horse a little bit of room he's more of a wind-up type he hasn't got that short sharp sprints and i remember coming to the home turn and i was, I was following him back with either but when but when it opened up for her and she went um she sort of left me behind a little bit Put about four lengths on me, real quick, and the gaps were sort of coming and going a little bit. And I and, and I was in a position where if I take a gap and it closes, well, it's all over for my horse, you know, that sort of thing. I I didn't want to stop his momentum at all, so I had the choice to peel out, and I, that was sort of that was our plan anyway was to do that, our pre-race plan. And when I peeled out, I thought, oh, and I got to the outside, I thought, well, look, I'm, I'm going to run in the first ten here, which is good, to be. and the trainers and owners are going to you know earn. That extra bonus and, and it wasn't until like the last 50 meters i thought well i'm going to run the first four then like the last dying stage of the race my horse actually just kept down the same speed and fell in the second but if i hadn't known any better i, I think i probably might have got through if i had just stayed where i was mm-hmm. i reckon i would have got through um because the horse did shed a little bit of pig when i first come out that's look that's uh, hindsight's a beautiful thing. It didn't happen. Um, you know, I was like I said, I, the horse ran second. Ran a wonderful race, but it might have been might have been interesting if I had stayed where I was at the top of the straight.
3: The injuries and the falls, Darren. Obviously, they're part and parcel. They're part of the job. And you had your fair share. Perhaps the worst, I think you've referenced many times, is the one in uh, the late eighties, eighty eight, out at Yarra Glen. What what happened out there in eighty eight?
0: Yeah, that was. Yeah. That was, I was about 22 years old then, I think, and I'd just come out of my time, not long come out of my apprenticeship, and I was actually having a good day, it was uh, Yorick Lane Day, and I had rode two winners, and I was on a horse uh, for George Hammond, and uh, coming to the home turn, I was travelling really well, and I was in the 1-1, so to speak, and all I had to do was just peel off the, the two leaders, and I thought this horse, uh, the way he was feeling, was just going to go on a win the race. And I, once I did that, after straightening, I just peeled off and I asked the horse for an effort. And when I did, the horse sort of running real sharp on me. He, he, he turned left, sort of, so to speak. And I just touched the heels of the horse in front of me, but inside inside myself, and my horse fell. Uh, and I actually landed head first. It was And, and, and it looked a terrible form once I did get to see it. And because it was about eight days, before I woke up, it sort of put me to sleep for about eight days. So, and it took me a little while to get back after that. With three or four months before I got back to race riding, but I was lucky enough. Um, it was just rest that was the best medicine for that. Jeez, uh, I didn't have, to have any operations, or didn't have any side effects from it. But that's one part where I was very lucky. I was only just rest, so I was off soon for a while. But that's probably one of the worst falls I had.
3: Yeah, there was a nasty one. You know, more than twenty years later, down in in Mornington, I think a horse might have had a heart attack under you, you know, through the running rail, the horse sadly died, but your vertebrae's crushed, I think your ribs were broken, you had a bruised aorta, and a, and a long recovery process from that one as well.
0: Yeah, funny enough you say that, Sam, that was the longest um, recovery time I, I, I was, and time I was away from race riding, actually, and I, I was riding a horse that was at Mornington, and it was a 2,400 metre race, and I, I have rode the horse before, and the horse is quite tractable, and nice horse to ride, and... Um, on this day, I was just a little bit fired up, and I sensed it was he wasn't himself. But he walked in the barriers, and he jumped, and we're going to the first turn, and he, he, he got into an OK spot for some reason. I, I had no steering, and he didn't sort of negotiate the first turn, so I was heading straight towards the outside the rail, and I thought, I'm oh, in a bit of trouble here." And I, and I could feel the horse just buckle a little bit underneath me, and the only thing I could do was probably I just transferred my weight on the horse, hoping. I was hoping that the horse would just straighten up and get back, you know, head, head the right direction more than anything else. And when I did transfer my weight on the horse, he did correct, but he overcorrected. And actually, he went from going straight out towards the outside rail to straight back towards the inside rail. So I was heading straight back into the field. And uh, lucky enough, I uh, didn't collide with any of the other runners, but he did go through the inside rails, rail. And uh, when he did that, he lost me and I end up hitting the ground and I it was like I was sitting down doing up my shoelace but facing the opposite way when I hit the, hit, hit the turf and all I could feel was this almighty crack in my back and I did crush a vertebrae and, um cracked one above a vertebrae and a few ribs were damaged and bruised aorta so I was off then for 10 months it took me I was off race riding it was a, it was a long recovery time because it was touch and go whether they were going to operate on my back, uh, but lucky enough, being the nature of our sport, and all jockeys here, their backs are pretty strong. We've, uh, like I just mentioned, the nature of the you know, uh, position you're in when you when you are riding, and we, we don't carry all that much weight. So I was fortunate enough that we didn't have to of the operation, and... But like I said, the recovery rate, quite a long time, 10 months.
3: Darren, you know, three, three and a half decades in the saddle. Were you ever scared? Was I
0: ever, sorry? I didn't
3: hear? Were you ever scared? Not so much scared. I think it's more, at times,
0: uh, look, we're all human. Um, and it, it, it's it, it's more about when you do come back race riding, I think it's more about getting that feel back, hmm. getting your fitness fitness back and also you know, talking about like race fitness and things like that, you sort of... It's not that you're scared, you might doubt yourself sometimes, but I think it's more when you do get back and you get that race fitness back, you get back into a routine. Um, That all sort of seems to go away because at the end of the day, look, we all know that we're all going to fall off and we're all going to get injured. That's part and parcel of the game.
1: Gautier will forego the ride on the Colin Hayes trained two-year-old Rory's Jester in Saturday's Rich Golden Slipper Stakes in Sydney. Terry Clifton reports. Gauchy was aboard to... the Bart cummings train 3 three-year-old Century Fox, Fox, Fox in the first Fox race today when the horse broke down as the field approached the home turn. Gauchy appeared to jump off the horse when he realised it was in trouble and he landed heavily on the hard track. The horse was later put down and Gauchy was rushed to Ballarat Base Hospital where X-rays revealed a fractured rib on the left side. A hospital spokesman said Gauchy was able to leave hospital late today but he would not be able to ride for at least two weeks. Gouchi had reached a personal milestone last Saturday in Sydney when his win on Rory's Jester brought up the 300th victory of his short but spectacular career. However, today's incident means he will now miss out on the ride on Rory's Jester in Saturday's Golden Slipper Stakes. Veteran jockey Mick Malian now looks certain to be offered the mount.
3: If you were say 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 scared, well, you wouldn't do it. You just wouldn't do it. And, but is there a hesitation in coming back from these sort of things or, or not? It's, that's more for others and you've got to play deaf. <laughs> I was
0: always lucky enough to, I was more, more like, I, I, I never hesitated. I, I always got back and I always got back as quick as I can. And Sometimes I got back sooner than I probably should have. Yeah. Um, and a lot of jockeys do that. Um, but like I said, it's more, when you do get back, it's, it's a little bit, you might be a little bit out of touch and you down yourself a little bit. But once you start, you know, a few race rides under your belt and you start getting back into the routine and that race fitness comes back and um, everything seems to go back to normal.
3: We're talking to the great Darren Gouchy on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We'll be right back with Darren after this.
2: You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
3: It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934, and legendary jockey Darren Gouchy has been our guest today. Darren, saying goodbye for you, I'd imagine, was always going to be an enormous wrench, but... You did it in typical style, and there wouldn't be many who'd soon forget Caulfield. February 2017, a win on the aptly named Goodwill in Race 2 that day, and there was plenty of emotion about it on the day, wasn't there?
0: There was. Um, yeah. I was... Look, uh, firstly, I must once again thank the Melbourne Racing Club for what they actually did for me on the day. It was amazing. I was, I was overwhelmed, um, by what they actually didn't put on for me on, uh, on that particular day. And all my fellow jockeys, and my um, when I did ride a winner, they they gave me a, a, an amazing farewell and, and had my family, friends and everybody there as well. It was fantastic. And I had three rides on the day. And one was for Cindy Alderson, which I had a, a wonderful association with, more so her dad, Colin. Riding a few Group One winners and um, riding a lot of winners for for the family, and another ride, of course, was for John Hawks. Uh, the Hawks family had, had, a, had an amazing association with them as well, and um, and also to ride the winner for for Lord Williams, who has been was a great supporter of mine throughout my career, and to give me that opportunity to win a race on my last day of race riding was was wonderful and. It's worked out good. It was a close finish. And uh, I couldn't have asked for a better exit, out of you know, a, a better day.
3: Your very last ride, your last time in the saddle, eighth on Longer on, I think, the son of Lonro, who obviously you, you rode to victory at Caulfield Guineas 2001. When you crossed the winning post for the final time, I think you later said, Darren, that you, you just wanted to keep going. You just wanted to keep riding him
0: yeah yeah it was a sort of weird feeling <laughs> you're right Sam you know across the line and I, I sort of I just wanted to keep going I sort of just needed that like just wanted to keep riding I thought well, this is the last time I'm doing this and it was a weird feeling I, I I I actually the horse was probably tired after race I felt sorry for him later because I probably made him go on at a 500 meters so <laughs> let <laughs> <laughs> uh it was it was a weird weird feeling and uh look like i said I miss it, but there's a time in yeah um everybody's career where uh enough's enough sometimes and it was time to hang up the boots and start a new journey
3: yeah, amazing run and, and uh, all this at, as we said earlier 51 years of age that final day in Caulfield but is there an adjustment that comes Darren in being you know as we said earlier the, the, a wonder boy of racing you know the top of every wish list drowning in options um, to riding roughies then to at far flung rural tracks and just almost taking what you can get in the twilight of your career did that take some some sort of mental adjustment for you?
0: Um, at first it didn't because once my rides say, in the metropolitan area, started to dry up on a, on a Saturday. Um, I was happy to go to a place like Bendigo and, and I'd probably get five or six rides. I'd rather do that and probably have one ride in the metropolitan area, yeah. probably 100 to one. So I was having my five or six rides and just competing, that's like I, I mentioned before, that, that's what I love doing. And I was going to those meetings when I first started and I was probably riding... Two or three winners on a day. I was getting good rides. And even then, there wasn't much recognition about it because I think one jockey said to me one day uh, when I was young, and they said to me, Don't worry about that. I'm you won't retire, but you'll be suddenly forced to retire. And, and he's in a right, he's right in some way in saying that because I think once you hit 50, um, you probably it's like you've passed your use by date as a jockey uh, it is a young person sport and uh, that's the way of deception here so look I, I've that's the way it is and I'm not going to be able to change it I wasn't able to of course and mm. I was uh, you know it, but once those rides even on Saturday started to dry up a little bit I found that well you know my heart wasn't in it anymore to sort of be riding, traveling long distances to ride. Um, I thought, and I waited up and I thought, well, maybe it's time to make a change. I felt like at, at the same time, I probably could have kept going for another couple of years. But just like you mentioned before, sort of going from regularly riding on Saturday and riding winners in the metropolitan area to therefore, it's, uh, it sort of dwindled pretty quickly. So, mm. that's why I made that choice I think and it was the right time
3: I think you used to joke that you you were lucky to get a missed phone call, which I thought wasn't a, wasn't a bad line there in the back end of your career as well. Did you? Did you? Yeah. It's great to have on the shelf. I wanted to ask you just quickly before we finish up, Darren. Uh, did you? I, I'm imagining it was an enjoyable process sitting down with, Krista Manning to to pen your autobiography, The Gouch, and a great document now to have to pass down to you know your kids and your grandkids. Uh, a great recollection and, and memoir of your career.
0: It was. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, you know, when
3: Kristen uh, Manning approached
0: me to write a book and um, during that journey, I learned she knew more about my life than what <laughs> I did, actually. Um, she is a, a, an amazing person and she did a wonderful job. And uh, The amount of work that she went to to write that book and research she did I was I was a bit dumbfounded. Sort of, I learned a lot on, on the way myself about what she was, you know, how to write a book. But um, like I said, she's she, she's an amazing, amazing person, and um, a, a, a very nice person to go with it, and a great family. So, and very fortunate that someone like Kristen offered to. To uh, I was very privileged that she offered to, to write a book about myself.
3: Darren, thanks so much for joining us today. I mean, you did it so well for so long. You love racing. Racing loved you. And, you know, the fact you managed to emerge from such a cutthroat industry so universally loved, you know, speaks volumes about the way you conducted yourself. So well done on everything you achieved, and and thanks for sharing it with us today.
0: Thank, Thank you, Sam. It's been a pleasure.
3: And thanks for listening. You've been uh, tuned in to This Is Your Journey. It's for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You can jump online to find tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.
1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game?
3: Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals. all thanks to McDonald's.
1: Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.